Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 41. I am Megan Carranza, thank you so much for coming to listen. If it's your first episode, welcome, and if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back and supporting the pod. Um, If you are enjoying the pod, please send me a message, drop me a line, leave a review, especially on Apple podcast. That really does help people to find the show. And I so appreciate it. Um, today's episode is a really good one. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this. My guest today is Whitney and she has a really interesting story. She originally got interested in autism when she was pursuing her her BCBA. She actually is still working on that. She's been working with ABA therapy for the last few years and she's getting ready to take her boards to become a BCBA. But the really interesting thing is that along the way, Whitney had a little boy named Kyson who he's even now he's not even two yet. Um, And he was just very recently diagnosed with autism. So It's really interesting to hear her perspective, obviously, from the other side of things, you know, as someone who is very, you know, knowledgeable about autism and an ABA from the other side, but now being an autism mom herself, just kind of hearing the differences. And also, I I think it's really interesting how her son is so young and they're getting him diagnosed. I have heard from a few different listeners who have really young kids. And I know that it can be a more difficult process when your child is really young. So we get into all that and what they, the company they went through for the diagnosis. And we talk all about that. Um, so I know that you guys are going to love this episode. One quick thing I do want to say, we actually ended up recording this on two different days because when we started recording the first day, her little guy woke up from a nap. So the sound, uh, at about around 15 minutes, gets a little different. It actually kind of changes for the better. Um, but it, yeah, so you're going to hear a little, <laughs> a little audio shift and that's just because it was a different day then that we, we finished up this recording. Um, and then it's, it's, the sound is a little, a little bit glitchy in some spots. So bear with us. But I think that again, the message of this episode is so important and I know that you guys will just love Whitney and really relate to her. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Whitney. Hello, Whitney. Hi. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Thank you. It's so, thank you. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Oh, you're so, I'm honored to have you. We were chatting before we started. Whitney and I have been talking for like, I think months now. Yes, literally. <laughs> what are we going to do this? What are we going to do yeah. this? <laughs> <laughs> trying to, yeah, trying to get the podcast going. And uh, initially we, you had reached out to me on Instagram to write a testimonial about ABA therapy for your website. Is it a website or is it a blog? Well, oh you know, I don't know what it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just because yeah. so much has been going on. I have not been putting my energy yes. into that. Um, yeah. It was 
originally kind of like a blog, just a place for families to go to just feel supported and, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get into it, but really yeah. I built it, um, just to support families because this, this journey is crazy. <laughs> it is pretty crazy. That's that's the same reason why I started the podcast, just to to support other autism parents and individuals and hear from experts in the field, because um, this journey is crazy. So Whitney, uh, so she has has this this blog or website, whatever you want to call it, called the Spectrum Compass, and she had reached out to me to write a testimonial about our experience with ABA because we have had a really positive experience, and I I'm always like talking about that on the podcast, like shouting it from the rooftops. So. <laughs> When we initially started talking, it was, I I wanted to have her on the podcast as just a guest to talk about ABA because she is done with school, waiting to take her boards to become a BCBA, but then a lot has changed time. Um, So Whitney has a little boy named Kyson. So we will, we'll, we'll talk all about Kyson. He's so cute. Um, (laughs) And he just recently diagnosed with autism. So like I remember you had you had messaged me we were talking about first getting you on and you had said I really want to be a guest but we have a lot going on right now and you were kind of alluding to the fact that there may be you you were saying that Kyson was showing some signs for autism yeah and like we said a few months back so like we said we have a lot to talk (laughs) about today um and we'll get into all that so take us back though kind of to beginning what what kind of got you into the field and what what like interested you about ABA and autism? So I get this question asked to me all the time and <laughs> I don't have a good answer. That's, um, it was like, it was just kind of a God thing, honestly. So yeah. I, my uh, high school, my ex high school boyfriend, I'm not married to my high school boyfriend, <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> but he, his sister had some disabilities. And at that time when we were in high school, it was not coined autism. Looking mm-hmm. back on it, 100% autism. Um, okay. We are not in touch anymore, so I don't even know if the family has gone through with their diagnosis. But I really hold on to the experiences I had from um, just being around her. I was with um, this person for five years. So we were pretty serious. Um and, you know, once we got into college, we just kind of went our own ways. But being around her for so long just kind of immersed me, um, you know, early on in my days, I feel like. And I mm-hmm. knew I always wanted to be a teacher. And so, you know, I had some extensive conversations with my family, like, you know, I want to be a teacher, but I want to be more than just a teacher. Like, what does that look like? And so it took me going through um, undergrad and then graduate school. And I landed in, um, I used to live in Colorado. And I landed in what I feel like is one of the best districts in Colorado. Um, I worked up in Fort Collins, which is north of Denver. And they had an opening for autism. And I was like, you know, it is one of the districts. It's just so hard to get into no matter what kind of teacher you want to be. And I said, you Mm -hmm. know what, I'm going to just put all my pennies in a basket and we are going to, we're going to see where this takes us. And I'm so glad I took that leap of faith because it taught me so much. Um, And it, that job is really what, mm, pushed me to pursue my BCBA. I worked under several experienced um, 
BCBAs and they taught me, you know, kind of the ins and outs of everything. And that's really where I got immersed into ABA and how do you teach kids in a school environment, you know, with autism, how to advocate for them to be in gen ed. Um, So those years, they really, they just taught me a lot. So I would say that's kind of where it all spawned from. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, was this um, elementary school or what? Yep. So I, uh uh-huh. So I have my undergraduate in gen ed and special ed and special ed being K through, um, what is it? 21, I think kindergarten mm-hmm. through 21 and then um I just really I love the little guys like I have nothing against mm-hmm. like the older ones but my heart just mm-hmm. resonates with the little ones and um I can tell yeah I can tell <laughs> like if, that's not surprising at all yeah I just like I don't know I I don't know I don't think I'm mm-hmm. tough enough honestly <laughs> I feel like I'm so short and I'm petite that I would you know, they would just walk all over me. <laughs> um, you just have that connection with the, with the little kiddos. Yeah. That's so, my, my mom is actually a preschool teacher oh, cool. and always think that about her. Like she, she maybe could teach like kindergarten, but that's honestly as far as, as she could yeah. go. Cause she's just like, she so has a heart for the little kids. Yes. Um, I think that's just within you. I think it's just like, you're, you're either that kind of person or you're not. Um, that's so interesting. So initially you were in like a, like a, a school setting. And then that is what spurred you to, to really pursue BCBA yeah. and get into AB. And I really, okay. yeah, I just, I'm someone who always wants more. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, what's the next thing? What's going to come after, you know, I met my goal of becoming an autism teacher in the best district in Colorado, like what's next. Um, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what was next for me. So I got into my master's program through ASU. I just did all my coursework online as I um, taught and then I graduated. Um, but the summer that I graduated, I also had Kaisen. So, okay, a lot going on. Yes. Um, so I graduated. <laughs> and the great thing about a lot of the programs now, if anyone's looking to become a BCBA, is that you can start your hours as soon as you start um, your coursework, which I didn't know until halfway through. So I got kind of behind in my coursework or my hours, um, to become a BCBA, but I caught all Mm -hmm. up. Um, then I had Kaisen and then, you know, life changes when you have a baby. (laughs) Yes. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, um, Kaisen, you know, I was a first time mom. Um, he actually came five weeks early and Mm -hmm. we had just also moved. So we had a lot of changes going on at the time. And, um, funny story. Justin was out of town. He travels a lot for work and Mm -hmm. he was out of town and I had decreased fetal movement and I'm a worrier. (laughs) So all through Mm -hmm. the pregnancy, I was like, no, like this doesn't feel right. Um, and so Kyson was a mover inside of me. Like I have Mm -hmm. videos and it looks like a bowling ball rolling inside (laughs) of me. Um, and so I knew that something was off and Justin was like, you know, I do all the things, right? Like ice cubes and ice cream and whatever, Mm -hmm. um, which I did all of it and didn't get any movement from him. So long story short, um, I went into the emergency room because I just felt like something wasn't right. And yeah. sure enough, Kyson's heart rate had plummeted down to 80. Oh and it, when it went back up, it 
plateaued. And what they like to see um, is a variability in the heart rate. And Mm -hmm. that wasn't happening. And so I had an emergency (laughs) C-section. And um, Justin actually was in the air flying (gasps) home. And I mean, I was, I didn't know anyone in the town that we were in. Uh, His family was about an hour and a half away, but his mom was like on a cruise or something. So like I'm in the emergency room by myself (laughs) in a town where I don't know anybody because we just moved there two months earlier. Oh my and, gosh. Um, I don't, total God thing. Like God has been yeah, leading the way since the day. Like he's always there, obviously, oh but um, I have seen God show up for us in more ways um, than I ever have in my life. And um, Justin walked in as soon as they were taking me to the surgery like to get my C-section, my emergency C-section. So he Mm -hmm. had walked in right away and um, it was just like a total God timing thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. And so we had Kyson and again, we were so beyond blessed. He came out and totally fine. Like they could not put their finger on what was going on. He came out screaming Um, he was little, obviously he was four pounds, um, Mm -hmm. nine ounces, but he did not have to go to the NICU. Um, the only thing we struggled with him was keeping his temperature up and then feeding him. Um, Mm -hmm. but other than that, like, just like so blessed that he was so healthy and that nothing serious was wrong with him. That is (laughs) oh my gosh that what a way to come into the world (laughs) just like and that's kind of how kyson has been from there on out like just like came in like a wrecking ball yes (laughs) you perfect yes um and that's just who kyson is and so we stayed about a week um in the hospital they were super sweet and let me um stay with him because they knew he needed you know we had to keep his temperature up and we had to prove like he had to be so many degrees, you know, for so long and yeah. whatnot. And it was three weeks early and, and she was in the NICU for like a week and it was still, it was the absolute worst week of my life. Oh, it was totally horrible. I, I can't so, even so imagine. Scared, but it, I can't. It was, it was a nightmare. It really was. It like, honestly, all the, all the autism stuff, like I've cried so many tears, but the, that week that she was in the NICU, I, I cried all those tears in one week. Like oh. it was just, like, but then she came home and she was perfect and everything's fine. But it, it was, I mean, just, it was so, so emotional. I was a wreck. Right. Um, so, okay. Well, thank God that, I mean, all that, that you followed your gut, your intuition and you went to the hospital and had your sweet boy yes. and, that he was okay. Totally fine. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Um, I know just recently you had posted something that, that really touched me. All your, all your posts I feel are so heartfelt. Like they just, they like hit me right in the, gut, basically. but in, in the best way. Cause I just, I relate to it so much and I know that other people do too. Um, so everyone definitely follow Whitney at the spectrum oh, compass on Instagram. So um, we'll get into that, but you had posted something recently um, just about how like, infancy and like early kind of you know months were were difficult with Kaisen yeah. and you were like wondering like why is this so hard can you talk about that yeah so I think so I was a new mom Kaisen is our only yeah. child and mm-hmm. 
he was five weeks early. And so here I am as a new mom with a five week kid who was early. And, mm-hmm. um, I chalked it up to be a lot of that, that I just wasn't prepared, that I thought I had five more weeks. I never got to nest. Um, Kyson, he was never comfortable in his own skin is the best way to put it. Um, Mm -hmm. He never slept, which was exhausting for both Justin and I. And Mm -hmm. um, he had come to find out two weeks after we brought him home silent reflux. So that Mm. didn't help our situation any for sleeping or eating. Um, And I just remember crying with Kyson. Justin had to leave about a week after we had brought Kyson home um, for a work trip. And I was alone with him. And I didn't know what was going on. I mean, he was, I still remember the scream. He, it sounded like someone was hurting him like it was Mm -hmm. the worst scream in the world and I just thought like I'm a terrible mother you know like all those terrible (laughs) thoughts and Mm -hmm. um, I called the doctor and I finally got to the bottom of it and it ended up being silent reflux and so we um, took care of that with some medicine and well I should say we we modulated it like it never went away Um, right right but Mm -hmm. the medicine helped numb his esophagus Mm-hmm. And then, um, like a week or two later, he spit up blood. <laughs> and oh, I was like, what is happening in our life right now? <laughs> you must have just been so overwhelmed. Oh, I, we were like, in and out of the doctor, seriously, for two months straight every week. Because there, it was just like one thing after the other. So um, it wasn't a lot of blood. It was just a one-time thing. But come to find out, he was allergic to dairy. And we were nursing. I was fortunate enough oh, to nurse him. God. And, mm-hmm. um, I was eating dairy. I love dairy or mm-hmm. I used to. <laughs> and, um, Goodness. and so that was like another thing. So we had the silent reflex, had that kind of under control. Then we had to deal with the dairy. I eliminated that from my diet completely. Um, mm-hmm. and then it just ended up being kind of like a sleep thing. Um, Kyson mm-hmm. was uncomfortable in everyone's arms, did not let anyone hold him, but myself, um, I mean, not even Justin, I, I had one of those big bouncy balls, you know, workout balls, and I would have to soothe him by literally bouncing on that all day. Like I sat, I don't think I've ever been stronger. Like I had to sit on that ball and bounce him all day long and all night. Um, oh and I think it was kind of one of those, like, you know, well, why won't you let your dad hold you and mommy needs a break and really those kind of like early signs of like, well, why won't my kid even let his dad hold him? Um, He also, I think in part, you know, his silent reflex was just uncomfortable and we were nursing in the middle of the night. So I think that had something to do with it. But even during the day, um, you know, he was just, he always seemed uncomfortable in his own skin. So kind of like fast forwarding a little bit, he got older, um, he was, we did sleep train him because I ended up being up with him every 45 minutes for a month straight. So I was, oh, I was oh, done. Um, and Justin, bless his heart, like he just tried so hard to comfort him and really like Kyson would cry in everyone's arms, not just Justin's. Um, truly the only person that he let hold him was my mom. And it's kind mm. of interesting because, um, 
he still has that bond with my mom. Um, he, he has a hard time trusting even still. And it takes him a long time to warm up to people, to trust them, to play with them, interact with them. And my mom, so we live in Tennessee and she lives in Colorado and we've always done the long distance thing with her. And it's like, he doesn't miss a beat with her. Like, she won't be around for 10 plus weeks and she'll come out spend time with us in Tennessee and every time she comes out as he gets older it's like it takes less and less time for him to remember like oh this is my Oma Mm. and it's the only relationship that is like that and that it has been like that since the very beginning so it's really special you know I hold on to that because it's um it's one in a million, honestly. Yes. Like, yeah. Um, so it was those signs where I was like, okay. And he also um, has always struggled with constipation since he was mm-hmm. two months old. So here we have silent reflux. We have constipation. We have a dairy allergy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. All those gastro I, issues. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I started with my background. I was starting kind of piecing it all together. And I was like, you know what you know what really is going on like yes he was early but he wasn't that early you know he was Mm -hmm. five weeks early he didn't have to go to the NICU and so I kind of started to think like well what more could be going on and so our pediatrician um sorry if you can hear the airplane that's okay (laughs) um (laughs) so our pediatrician did what's called the ASQ um, and it's basically just helps parents to keep track of developmental milestones and Kyson was only on track for the second month and then after that we started to see a grab gap grow in all areas and this is with um, his age adjusted so his pediatrician would always adjust his age by five weeks Mm -hmm. and then give us what his development should look like Um, and as he became older and he um, got closer to being uh, one Mm -hmm. he um, the gap in expressive language was huge and so we were kind of we were in this transition point where he just turned one, but we were getting ready for a big move to Tennessee. So we kind of, that's really when I amped up the things that I was doing at home with him because I knew how important early intervention was even Mm -hmm. at 12 months old. And so I started doing ABA work honestly with him Mm -hmm. when he was 12 months. And so We came out to um, Tennessee. There was a transition point. You know, there's always things that we blamed it on, I guess Mm -hmm. you would say. Like, oh, no, you know, he's he's crying a lot because he doesn't know this unfamiliar place or what have you. And Mm -hmm. um, and something in me just didn't feel right. Like we finally moved in to our house um, in the end of October, beginning of November and at the end of November, around Thanksgiving time, we saw a regression. And it wasn't like a terrible regression because, honestly, he didn't have a lot of skills to regress. But the skills that he did have, as far as language goes, um, completely disappeared. Like, he used to be able to say keys very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, he would say things like out. Um, mm. 
and he he always always went in and out of saying mama he mm-hmm. he first said dada after he was a year old which was still late and um and we tried so hard for mama for so long and he would only say it with Justin in the bathtub <laughs> and I would like sit outside the door just mm-hmm. waiting to hear it but like if I was around he wouldn't do it And so we kind of held on to like, well, he can say it. And that's what the pediatricians would say, right? Like we would Mm -hmm. go to them with our concerns. And the first pediatrician that we found in Tennessee, she was awesome. Um, We did end up switching pediatricians after this appointment. But um, we went to her with our concerns. And I said, you know, he only says mama, you know, maybe twice in a month. And Mm -hmm. she says, okay, but he can do it. It's like, well, you know should we consider that doing it you know mm-hmm. he's, he's almost one and a half and and he's not consistently saying mama and it's obviously doesn't come easy for him mm-hmm. and so anyways uh closer to christmas he completely lost most of his vocabulary um and that's when i knew all right we need to start investigating this um mm-hmm. we got in contact with what's called the First Words Project, and it's through um, Florida State University. And they, I just, I'm so passionate about their research. Basically, they are trying to develop a diagnostic tool or instrument for kiddos who are between nine and 24 months um, to diagnose autism. And the instruments that are out there right now are just it's hard to it's hard to diagnose so early mm-hmm. and but what we're finding out through research is it's important like it's important oh, yeah. that we get these kiddos in to therapies early and watch their growth and so I was very passionate about it I kind of went through their um system and through doing that um Kyson's e- what's called an ESAC came back with red flags for autism and a communication delay slash disorder. And so what they do is they um, they review everything with you after you submit your ESAC. Is the ESAC just like preliminary paperwork? It, it Yeah. So it's a screening. And actually, um, most pediatricians' offices now, they can do an ESAC. Um, so like the MCHAT. That's what I'm I was sure, going to say. Is it yeah, like it's that? similar. Okay. Okay. The MCHAT is more just for autism, whereas the ESAC can, um, it encompasses like the ki- the communication piece too, instead of just the autism piece, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated because um, Kyson's red flags for autism are honestly like hit or miss. Like mm-hmm. if you catch him on a good day, you probably will just see more toddler than anything but Mm -hmm. if you catch him on a day where his world just seems off it's um it's very apparent which is what the psychologist did tell us when she called us with the results of his ADOS she Mm -hmm. said you know Kyson Kyson doesn't show signs of autism all of the time but when he does it's very apparent autism Mm -hmm. um and so as I worked through the First Words Project, I loved them because I think that these early stages of your journey, of whatever the journey might be, um, can feel very overwhelming. And mm-hmm. the First Words Project sets parents up 
to feel less overwhelmed. And they do that by providing resources of um, like growth charts, um, information about autism. So let's say, you know, your um, ESAC does come back red flags for autism. It does not mean your kiddo has autism. Like there needs to be way more information gathered, which they do help you with. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also open up your parent portal. So everyone, if they take the ESAC, gets a parent portal through the First Words Project. And that's really where all of the resources are. And because ours did come back with red flags for autism, they opened us up to this autism portal, which was the first resource that showed Justin, your kid might have autism. Um, and because did he not believe that before? He, you know, I wouldn't say he didn't believe it. I think that it was hard to see. Yeah. I was with him all. I was with Kyson all day. I'm a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. And I was around him the most. And so mm-hmm. to sell my one and a half year old who, you know, has really great skills in some areas, like during the day, our transitions would fall apart. He wasn't mm-hmm. interacting with me when we were playing, you know, like things that mm-hmm. most people wouldn't see and so the first words project has these videos for parents to watch and side by side there are um there's a kiddo with red flags for autism and then a kiddo who would be more typical developing and you can honestly play them simultaneously and watch the very subtle differences between the two oh wow um it is i mean it's amazing like the fact that they even have their hands on that mm-hmm. um I just want to like share it with the whole world <laughs> and, oh my gosh totally um, I guessed on recently her episode has not come out yet I think it will come up for this one and I don't know if her and I talked about it or she also has a podcast but she was just kind of saying that same thing because especially when you're like a first-time parent yeah and, and you're and your child is young like that even if you do see even if you have like the awareness to see some of those red flags. Cause I think mm-hmm. for a lot of parents, like I think any of that would kind of go unnoticed and, and you yep. blame them. But even if you do have like just the information to, to think, okay, something might be up here. It is really easy to say, and you had just posted about this, like what, what is autism and what is being a toddler? Because yeah. they do look similar. On a lot they of do. And it's so hard to differentiate. And when we flew down to Florida for our diagnosis, um, they took so long, which I did appreciate. You know, she didn't just slap a label on Kyson. Mm -hmm. But the psychologist took so long um, reviewing. We had submitted some home videos. She reviewed those. She reviewed our parent handouts, our parent interview. Because honestly, Kyson on the day of ADOS presented totally fine. Like, really, but it's because, and I told her this, um, there weren't things like buckles, there weren't chapstick, there was no sunscreen, you know, like the things that Kyson really fixates on. Okay. Um, If those things are in his environment, oh, total meltdown city, you know, and you can't get his attention. So it's very specific things for Kyson. And Mm -hmm. so when, and that's what, um, 
was so important to me as far as the first words project goes is that they asked for those home videos and that's pretty unheard of yeah an autism diagnosis and I knew that if we were to go anywhere else Tyson would not be diagnosed right now Mm -hmm. because he does present um, really great skills and whether those skills were taught to him because I taught him like the doctors don't know that the doctors don't know how much ABA I do in home with him and taught him to point and taught him to, you know, say things and man for things and whatnot. So yes. anyways, um, so the first words project, yeah, they have those videos side by side and that's what helped Justin see like, mm-hmm. huh, like my kid doesn't do that or yeah. my kid does that way more than what he would be considered like typical so Mm -hmm. um so that really helps and I think it also helps with families because how do you explain you know Kyson does have really great skills and so you can imagine the conversations we've had with families the past six months and those videos help a lot too because then we can show them videos of Kyson doing similar Mm -hmm. things yeah and um so it's nice just to have something to fall back on instead of just being like you know, this is what we see in Kaisen because right. a lot of times, you know, I, I had felt that because of my background, I was being too overly cautious. I was, I was putting something onto Kaisen that might not be there. And I was just worrying. And, um, and I think that family thought that as well. Like when you're just like a worry wart, cause I do worry. I'm an, I'm a very <laughs> anxious person by nature and he's my first baby. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. but I just noticed things, you know, he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't pointing. And mm-hmm. the other thing that really helped me, um, that the first words, first words project has for the public if you just google it is this 16 by 16 and it's 16 gestures by 16 months and that was hugely eye-opening for Justin and I and I mean I have a master's in education and I never have heard of this so yeah um, that also sounds like so many gestures yeah right (laughs) but if you read it it's like most babies do acquire like you know things like waving pointing um clapping right um just little things like that and I'm like oh we had to teach Kyson how to clap he still hates it like (laughs) um (laughs) I had to teach him how to point he still Mm -hmm. he just now he's almost two and he is just now waving like hello goodbye and he's not doing it with open hand which he should be by now but um at least he started yeah you know, doing it <clears throat> with mm-hmm. the closed palm so um that also gave me things to work on with him so that's the other thing is it's a long weight game right like mm-hmm. no matter where you go for a diagnosis it is a wait list and so the first words project knows that and acknowledges that and whether you go down to get them tested in Florida or not you still will have access to these resources and um, part of that is what you can be doing at home with them right now like meeting your child where they're at Mm -hmm. and then activities to kind of help push them along while you're waiting. So that helped um, a lot too. It helped for Justin um, to be like, oh, I can be doing this while we're trying to play with him or Mm -hmm. um, things like that. So um, what a great resource. It's amazing. I mean, I wish more people knew about it, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we're talking about it now because I remember, I mean, obviously like I follow you on Instagram and 
I had mentioned it before, but I just think you have such a great account full of wonderful resources <laughs> and, and ones like this too, that you're just sharing. Yeah. But I feel like that is something that like when Logan was, we were, we had like an eight month wait, we had like a ridiculous wow. and I did feel so like, I, I just felt like, it, I felt like I was in like quicksand at that time. Cause it was just like, we were just kind of like sinking and there was like, all all there was was more time to wait like there was just no yeah there was it just felt like the that that was never coming and I felt like while we were waiting we were just wasting time because that was more time that he wasn't going to have the diagnosis and he wasn't getting access to ABA because it was like once we decided to to have him diagnosed like I felt like that to me it was like he was as as good as diagnosed at that point once we went we we decided like okay we're going to seek this diagnosis. Like I, I knew that it was not going to come back, you know, like that he right. didn't have autism. <laughs> right. so then it was like, I'm like, okay, well, what can we do? Let's move forward. And I mean, he was, he was doing um, like speech therapy and OT and he was in preschool getting service at the time. But I, I knew that there was so much more that we could be doing. and I just didn't know what it was. So I love that they're like actually giving you the tools to like, Hey, this is a good thing to do in this wait time. Here's some tools and, and resources for you in this wait time. Exactly. And I think that that is one of the key things because I've, even I felt that way and our wait time mm-hmm. was nothing comparative to what <laughs> the average is. Um, and I, you know, and I do have a background in all of this. And so um, that's what I would tell families is like, even if you're not going to go through with a diagnosis, um, through Florida State just use their resources like that's what they're there for that's why they created those Mm -hmm. um so yeah there's and there are lots of things you can be doing at home because especially in the early years it all happens at home even if they get early intervention for speech and OT um outside the home it's really what you do with them and what you carry over from those therapies in the home um so in the end, I think that it, yeah, like we, and I see you, I see, I saw your, um, like your ABA baskets and whatnot, and you do a <laughs> lot of stuff at home, right? You guys, we end up being the therapist for our kiddos. Yes. You know? We, and that's true. Like we have, like you were saying, there's that carryover. And I just, a word that we hear a lot is like that generalization. Like it's mm-hmm. like we want things to, you know, work the same at home as at school, as in therapy you know, out in the community, like you, you just want everything to, you know, to kind of flow in that way. And now we're, we're in such a good spot with it and we're able to, to work on things with Logan and it's, and it's like second nature, but it is when you're first getting into it, like you just don't even know like where to start. It yeah. feels overwhelming. I, I really, I knew what ABA was, but I was so not like versed in it. Totally. And I, I actually didn't even, I didn't even have like a great I opinion of it because yeah. I'd heard a lot of negative things about it um which like I said the reason why you and I first connected was I, I wrote that testimonial for yeah. Compass and that was one of the things that I said was I had talked to other parents who had had their kids in ABA and I mean here's the thing I don't think that ABA is right for everyone and I'm sure that there are you know people kind of click better with other people. And I think there's a lot of factors involved with it, but I feel like at least for us, like when ABA is right, it's so right. And it it really, it works for, I mean, I always say I'm like, it really has been like a lifesaver for, for Logan and our family. It's just, it's, 
it's turned him into a, a different kid. And when I say that, I don't mean like a robot, like how you hear that, but it's like, he's, he's happier. He's more like, like how you said, like Kaisa was uncomfortable in his body. Logan never, he was never like that. He was never like a fussy baby. He he's always been super happy. We don't deal with a lot of like behaviors in that sense. But before we did ABA, it was just like, he wasn't as present in his body. Like sure. it was just like, mm-hmm. he didn't have that. He was at times, but it was, there were so many times when I would, I would ask him something and I could just see it was like, it was going right over his head, you know? Yeah. As now, like even just little simple things like, Hey, pick this up, go get this. Like things that before I would maybe get a response from him, like one out of 10 times. Now it's right. like, like nine out of 10, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that ABA um, kind of going back to what you said in the beginning, like you just have to trust your gut. Mm-hmm. I think there are there's more good trained BCBAs and behavioral therapists out there now than there were even five years ago. I agree. Yeah. Um, I would say because, you know, I'm going to sit for my board exams. The exam also has become harder to kind of weed out the people who maybe shouldn't become BCBAs. <laughs> um, so I would say. Um, I'm actually creating a list of questions now that I'll put up on my blog um, in the next couple of weeks to interview. Like we parents are the most important factor to their child's education. Mm -hmm. And so we also, although exhausting, (laughs) we have to make sure that we are asking and interviewing everyone. Um, And, and it's okay. And it feels uncomfortable because They, you know, we look at them like they're supposed to know it all, you know, especially when it comes to doctors and, and that they are, and they are supposed to, you know, be the expert in the field, but we also need to make sure that it's going to be a good fit for our kiddo, right? Because all Mm -hmm. kids are different, no matter, you know, special needs or not, like everybody's different. We all have our own personalities. Um, And so I would say, yes, like as long as, as long as you have the right fit for an ABA, I mean, it does wonders for children. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, like, it could take a couple of interviews or tries in different places to oh, yeah. find the right fit. So I would yeah. say, you know, don't get discouraged if the first fit doesn't, isn't good. Um, mm-hmm. Take a step back, you know, take a break, and then put yourself out there again to try um, maybe another ABA facility. Because I think, too, um, you know, BCBAs coming to home are different than taking your kiddo to an ABA clinic. Right. So you also have to see like, well, which would work better for your family, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's lots and lots of options out there too. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Cause it's like ABA is not one size fits all. So it's like, no. you need to, to find the right fit. Like you said, cause like we do in home ABA, sometimes he has done clinic before, um, and, and Logan does great kind of either way. But I think for some kids, they're probably much better at home. And then for some kids are probably much better in the clinic. It really just depends on, on the kiddo. And like you said, just finding that, that kind of connection, we were really lucky. I remember like our very first meeting with our BCBA, I had already been working with the coordinator at the company that we use for therapy. And I just had really good vibes from her. Um, she also had a son on the spectrum. So it was like, we just connected and then when we met Logan's BCBA, she came over and it was her and like, I think her supervisor and maybe even a couple other people. And and it's so funny when you're talking about your son, being, 
so like close with his Oma, which I love. Yeah. Oma. <laughs> so sweet. Um, Dan is he's interesting because he is like certain people. He just like is so. but there's certain people that it's like he is just like a magnet like he can't stay away from them and I always feel like the the people that that are like that that he feels like that with them I'm like okay that's just like he's just like he knows like he just connects with someone and he knows exactly you're a good person and what made me feel so like okay we're doing the right thing was he he met his bcba and he like he wanted to sit in her lap immediately he wanted to hold her hand oh, it was just like they that's had the this, best like, feeling oh that's my how gosh. it should be it yes. was so reassuring and and then even with with his his team that was like he just he he did great with all of them right off the bat but especially with her it was like i knew i'm like okay we're, we're doing the right thing because i'm like this is my sign <laughs> totally and your kids will let you you know like your gut will tell you but your kids will tell you too, yes. right? Like, um, I have to agree. Like Tyson just knows the people who understand him. Yeah. And if, if you like, I don't even know. I don't know. I think it's very interesting it's crazy. to watch, but, mm-hmm. um, he just knows and he's always known. And, um, so yeah. But the other thing I would say is you mentioned earlier that, you know, now, Logan can do like one step directions or maybe two step directions. Mm-hmm. And it's things like that, that I think parents sometimes overlook that we don't yeah. even realize that our kid is or is not doing. Mm-hmm. And for kiddos on the spectrum, we have to directly teach that. And I think that sometimes there's so much going on. It's hard to like take the layers apart, right? Like it's like mm-hmm. an onion and to really be like, Oh yeah, like my kid, doesn't follow one step directions or my kid can do one step directions and um and ABA really is the cornerstone to teaching that because speech is great you know it gets them communicating obviously and OT focuses on uh, fine and gross motor but like ABA is really what teaches kids um how to do those harder things like directions and putting you know things like that so yeah, no, I think that's a really, a really good point. And something you kind of mentioned earlier when you were talking about like the, you know, comparison between like a child with autism or, or a typical child. And it's like, sometimes things do look similar. Yeah. Well, for me, when, after we had my daughter, cause she, when she was born, Logan had still not been diagnosed. He had like just turned three and there were so many things that he would do that I'm like, I, I at that point we, we were already seeking a diagnosis and we were thinking like, okay, this is this is probably what we're looking at, but there were certain things that I was like, well, that's not really a problem. Like he doesn't, like you said, like kind of follow the directions, but I'm like, well, he's, he's just being defiant, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. You kind of like wish it away. But Mm -hmm. then when my daughter, so he was, um, he was four when he was diagnosed and my daughter was just about a year and it was like seeing her development at a year and him at four, like they were honestly on a very even playing field Okay. as far as development. And it was like, I, there was things either went over my head or I just didn't notice until we had Liliana and we had, you know, like a quote unquote typical child. And it was like right. so many, th- like the pointing thing, the clapping, so many things yeah. that he just did that were like such work for him. That was such an eye opening thing for me. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I have been even though I, I thought I was woke, you know what I mean? right. I, I'm like, I've been so blind. There has been so many things that I, I didn't even put together. Sure. 
Well, it's so hard with your first kid. Like, even with my education background and working with kiddos, you know, who have autism and everything, like, I still second guess myself, like, and it's just hard to know, like, well, what, you know, comparative to the kids at the park or at story time, you know, yeah, it's just hard to put your finger on. But one thing that I've held tightly on to is if you think if parents think that it's hard, like should like the thought of should it be this hard? That might be a sign because mm-hmm. that was my sign. Because honestly, I would sit here and think, how do people have more than one kid? <laughs> like, yeah, it was mm-hmm. just so hard in the beginning. And um, and I just didn't know why it felt so like, why am I having to teach my kid to clap? Why am I having to teach him to point? Mm-hmm. Why am I having to like reinforce him to say mama, you know, like, is it like this with all kids? Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, so no, when it's your first, it really is. It's tough because it's like you and and my, my younger brother um, had ADD and speech delay. So I had like a little bit of awareness, but even with that, like it's there. And then I was a nanny for a year. So I was, you know, around kids a lot, but it, you still, as, as the parent, like you're so close to it that you're like, you're just too close to it to see a lot of things. Even when you, yes. you see some of it, it's still, it's, it's really hard. That was actually something that I wanted to ask you. Cause you had something about when you were kind of, cause you, you took Kyson to the uh, first words project and you guys had like a pretty long wait period then just to like get the diet, like to kind of hear back from them because they yeah. do all that. And you had said something about how like during that wait period, you kind of convinced yourself that it wasn't autism. Yeah. So tell me about that. So obviously we had to get to a point where I convinced myself it was autism in order to even fly down right, to Florida. Exactly. And, and then we got there. And she, you know, we did ADOS, we did the cognitive test, and um, she kind of gave us a synopsis of, um, here's what I'm seeing, here's what I'm not seeing, I can't tell you either way right now, I need to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine, we just traveled with our child so far, mm-hmm. it was kind of, honestly, it was disappointing. Did you think um, you were going to hear back like that day, or did yes. you? I think Justin and I felt like, well, and I also thought that they were going to review everything before we came out, which wasn't the case. Okay. And so I think it was just a miscommunication between both parties. Um, They are actually, so they were only um, in Florida. So they were only taking participants who were living in Florida. Well, now they have a grant that has basically let them go nationwide. And because of that, and the word getting out, they're just, they're becoming really swamped. And so um, it was just the season and she had lots going on, the psychologist and, and she was up front with us from the beginning before we even started ADOS of the scenarios that could happen. Um, and we were in scenario three of they're just, she needed more information. She needed to look at the videos and our questionnaire, um, and then have another psychologist kind of review everything. And so we, Justin and I had talked about it and, you know, we found light in the fact of, you know, they're going to take their time. They're going to really, they have Kyson's best interest in mind, which is 
also why we flew down there. We felt like they knew Kyson the best because this was our second in-home video that we sent them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had over two hours of footage of Kyson interacting oh. with us at home and, you know, our daily routines and transitions. And, um, and so that was, we just felt like out of anyone, because we also had our pediatrician who said, well, we can test him here. So we did have the option to do that. Um, but we still said, you know, we're, we're going to go down to Florida and just see what happens. And so in the wait period, though, I honestly thought like, okay, like she told me it could take up to two months, but I think like she'll call me in a week. Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't call me in a week. <laughs> she didn't call me in two weeks. And I'm like, okay, obviously it can't be autism. Like if, if it's not that clear to her by now, it, it's not like mm-hmm. she's just avoiding calling me. <laughs> yeah. you know, I made up my own story because you can't be in this gray area. Like mm-hmm. it is so exhausting. It took a toll on my heart. It took a toll on my mind. It mm-hmm. t- honestly took a toll on Justin and I, um, even the way I interacted with Kyson, um, kind of shifted there for a little while of like, maybe I'm just being a hypersensitive mom, you know, blaming myself for putting our family in this position. Cause really I was the one who pushed all of this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we, our pediatrician, we love him. He actually has two BCBAs working in his office. Oh, and wow. So, we had talked to him about, he knew we were flying down to Florida. The communication line between us has been really open. Mm-hmm. And so we had a check-in with him two weeks after we came home from Florida to kind of go over the results, which we obviously didn't have. Yeah. And he said, you know, why don't I make an appointment with you to visit with the BCBAs here? And so we visited with the BCBAs at our pediatrician's office, and we had set an appointment to do a second ADOS. And at that point, it's like, great. Like, we have to put Kyson through this again. We have to Mm -hmm. put ourselves through it. Nobody wants to do ADOS twice. Mm -hmm. And, um, And literally the next day, so we made that appointment, and the next day, the psychologist from Florida calls. Oh, wow. And so it was... it. I and I was praying hard. So again, I think it was a total God thing. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, answered our prayers. It didn't matter to us either way. Yeah, we just wanted to know, like, you know, are we is what we're seeing autism? And if it's not, we need to keep looking for answers. Yeah. Um. And so she called and and she said, I reviewed everything and. You know, she said, honestly, it was your in-home videos that really showed me your day-to-day struggles. Mm-hmm. And and I think that it's really important when they're little because you're at home the most. So right. your day-to-day struggles are That's going to life. occur the most mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. And so I personally think that they should have in-home videos for all autism yeah. diagnosis. Well, but... and they're going to be the most themselves at home. Yes, Because it's like, exactly. when they go out, it can go one of two ways. They can either kind of be, you know, masking and putting on a show yeah. or totally melt down because they're outside of their environment. And it's like either one of those, you know, you're not getting the real, the full picture. You exactly. Know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, there are obviously, um, the diagnostic tools 
do their piece. And that's yeah. very important too. And um, so she was able to say, you know, with using ADOS and our in-home videos and our questionnaires and our parent interview mm-hmm. that um, although Kyson doesn't show signs all of the time, you know, when he does, it is very apparent. And so, um, but yeah, that gray area was so hard on me um and it was interesting because you know here I was in the beginning trying to show Justin like we need to get him help like this is not he's just a boy you know Mm -hmm. all of those excuses that we hear like oh he's just a boy or kids developed on at their own rate which is both true like yes yeah he's a boy (laughs) and yes he developed at his own rate but I try and tell parents like there is a range of, okay, this is mm, typical development. Mm -hmm. And then if it goes beyond like three months, right? (laughs) Like maybe we should start to look for some things like Kyson was one and a half and not saying mama, like Mm -hmm. he should have been saying mama way earlier on. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's really what told me because again, I think I had mentioned he was never a babbler. He never quite, he never babbled to us. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, the language piece was, um, was the biggest first red flag. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I started looking, you know, at his other red flags, but that was our, our biggest thing. And it's still our our biggest struggle with Logan because he, I mean, again, if you know one person with autism, you know one exactly. person with autism. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was like there was so many things, especially when he was really young, that didn't seem to be a problem. But the, the language always, like, that was the catalyst for all of it, was that, like, well, he, he is doing this. But then it's like, but, but like you said, same thing, at one and a half, he was not saying mama. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. And that's what I would say is, you know, if the gap is big enough, then there might be some reason for concern and um, or just reason to start looking into interventions. And so, you know, here I was, I was the kind of leader in all of this. And now we came that gray area. I really took a step back and convinced myself, yeah, like this, this must not be autism. And I beat myself up for a month. And, you know, I would cry to Justin and he'd be like, babe, what is the matter? Like, we're still going to go down this path. Like, we're going to fight for Kyson. Mm -hmm. And it was Justin who kept saying to me, it is autism. Like, I don't know what you're worried about. You know, give yourself grace. And, Mm And sure, I mean, sure enough, he was right. But it was just kind of, and that's. I'm very lucky to have Justin. I think things like this can sometimes put wedges in between relationships and marriages. And honestly, it has brought us closer together than what we were prior to um, kind of going down this path because it just always seemed hard with Tyson, like I've Mm -hmm. said. And, and that was hard on our marriage. That piece was really hard because it was all me all of the time. And most of the time it still is him and Justin um, kind of go through waves of <laughs> being paired and bonded. Um, mm-hmm. But most of the time it's just me and we just have to work on that bond mm-hmm. between them. But um, yeah, it, this going down this journey has really strengthened our marriage. And I just, I'm so blessed for that. And mm-hmm. I'm blessed that he was able to, 
you know, stick by our original plan before we left Florida with an unknown answer. And um, he was he was truly our rock during that great period. And Aww. yeah, I don't Amazing. know what I would have done without him. Yeah. <laughs> so like so it's yeah, like it either goes one or two ways. It brings you closer together or it just drives you apart. Yes. And mm-hmm. we've been lucky too. I think Manny and I have been just we've been able to like lean on each other and just like when when one person needs support you know like it's kind of back and forth you know what I mean totally Mm -hmm. and and just kind of like being there for each other and as a family um it definitely because yeah like you said it it definitely can can drive a wedge yes um but I think that like as long as you both are like committed and because like when you said before like oh seeing those Justin like I feel like sometimes I do hear from people where it's like, you know, the one of the parents is like, I, I want to seek this diagnosis. And the other one is like, maybe not there yet. And yeah. having a hard time. And I feel like that that's really tough. But it's like, if you, if you guys are both in the same page and just committed to, you know, doing what's best for your for your kid, I think you're going to be fine. Totally. And and I couldn't agree more. I think it's a line of communication and openness. Mm-hmm. And just taking judgment off of the table because um like for Justin honestly up until I had he didn't even sit in on the conference call I had with the first words project the first time to get the ESAC results he didn't even know so I did the ESAC without him knowing oh (laughs) it was submitted when it was submitted, I went out and told him, Hey, I just did this. Mm -hmm. And the look he gave me was like, are you crazy? (laughs) You are crazy woman. And, (laughs) um, and so I, you know, and it's one of those things I had to follow my mama gut. I had to listen to what was being told to me, you know, and, And so when I had talked to the psychologist the first time to go over his ESAC results, Justin wasn't around. And sure enough, you know, she says the words red flags for autism and I start bawling and and not because I was sad or mad. It was just like emotion, you know, just a release of, okay, I knew this was coming. I'm a little shocked, but (laughs) my husband's not here, you know? And so, um, but when I had shared those results with him and what the psychologist had told me, and then using those similar words to then communicate with Justin about it, it kind of started to click for him. And he said, thank you. Thank you for doing this for Kyson. I would have never thought of those things, you know, that the psychologist had gone over with us. And, and then, you know, again, when, when that autism portal opened up on the first words project site, um, that's really what kind of solidified everything for Justin. So I would say just be easy on each other and, and love each other because honestly, um, I just, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without Justin. (laughs) And he feels this, you know, he feels like, Oh, it's me. It's, it's me driving everything because of my background. And Mm -hmm. and honestly, he doesn't give himself enough credit. He's, he's been a huge rock because, you know, people often say like, Oh, like it must be much easier because you have a master's in special ed and ABA and you're going to be a BCBA. And, 
And honestly, yes, like, yes, I understand some things and have some resources and, and know how the system works. But the mama heart is the no mama heart. And that was going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's something that like, like you said, you think, oh, this must be easier. But like, I feel like in some ways, it's honestly probably harder it because is. you you know too much. Yes. And you're yes. just like, you're, you're too aware of things. Um, how, how has that been for you just to like, obviously like being on the other side of things and, and this is new for you guys. Like you're just, kind yeah. of, you're so little. Um, but how is that for you just like processing? Like, okay, I, I've been like immersed in this autism world for so long, but now I'm like on the other side of the table. You know, it's kind of, I've been, honestly, if I'm being super honest, I've mm-hmm. been prepping myself for this since he was two months old. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I felt it really strongly when I opened up my Spectrum Compass account mm-hmm. and I couldn't tell anyone that. I mean, my kid had just turned one and yeah. um, I honestly didn't even bring it up to Justin until Kaisen had had his language regression and... I think that God truly like guided me to open up my Spectrum Compass account to see and just kind of observe families. Like, what does it look like to be an autism family? What does it take to be an autism mom? And I found, I found your account. I found (laughs) Danielle's account. I found Life of the Side of Spectrum's account. And I started watching, um, which obviously like very different accounts across the board. Mm -hmm. And I just was kind of, I felt like an observer while I still had this purpose of wanting to teach about ABA. um, I honestly, the ghost behind the curtain was me Mm -hmm. wanting to almost feel like I was a part of something because Mm -hmm. I didn't ever, Kyson and I have never really fit in, if you will, with, um, other moms and yeah. their children and I did at that point feel like isolated and yeah um and when I watched I can still remember watching one of Danielle's videos of Noah and just seeing Kyson and I bawled right. one night and not because I was sad but because I just felt like this is it like you felt a connection this is yeah and it mm-hmm. was a beautiful thing and so I think that you know eight months later, here we are, and we have his diagnosis. Um, It didn't come as much of a shock to me, I think, because I had already found my tribe. Yeah, I had already um, built those connections with other moms. And it's important. I would not be able to do that without any of you, like, at all. And and I... um, I learned so much. Like I have, yes, this education background, but I don't, I had to learn how to be a mom to him mm-hmm. and, and not just be his therapist. And, and so it, it was challenging in the beginning to get past my ego of like, you know, too much, you're just worrying, mm-hmm. but thank God I did. And honestly, um, one of my best friends, she's, the main reason why I pursued the first words project and she just had a baby I mean she she is a special uh, education teacher 
Oh, wow. But she's just, I mean, she's just a mama. And, <laughs> and she's the one who had said, there's no such thing as knowing too much. And if you don't pursue this and you look back and he, you know, later on, he does end up getting diagnosed. I would regret it for the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's true. And those words have stuck with me since the day she had said them. And, but they're also the words that made me the most strong through points where, you know, I felt the weakest and, and I, and again, I am so blessed to have those friendships. I know that, um, friendships can be hard through this. Some people lose friendships over, um, diagnosis because they just, you know, some friends don't get it and, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong. I still have those friends. I still, well, and I think it's hard too. Cause like you said, even, even people who are supportive and they get it, it still can be hard to, to have, you know, kind of the quote, the mom friends, because yeah. it's like you're just in such different places. And there's like really, the thing- we're busy. We're yeah. We're, <laughs> we're super, we're all super busy. Doesn't matter. Especially they're not, but it's like, yeah. when you when, like I like there were times when I would be listening to you know my friends complain about things with their kids and I would just want to like shake them and be like this is not a problem <laughs> you know what I right, mean like, right it's like it's all relative we all deal with different things I'm not trying to like you know minimize but it's like I- I'm like yeah I my kid is you know at this point he's he's six and I'm still waiting for him to say mama you know what I mean yeah. like I'm like mm-hmm. is it it's like you are I, and, I, and I get it. We all, like I said, it's all relative, but it's like, it, it's hard. I, I have had a few friendships that have not necessarily like, you know, had a falling out or anything like that, but it's like, they've just kind of fallen away a little bit because it was just like, we were in such different, really relate to each other. I was at a point where like, all I needed was like support and as, a, as an autism mom, like, like you and I were saying before, it's just like, you need to find support wherever you can get it. And if there's people that are not giving you that support, it's, it's hard to maintain a relationship. Totally. And, yeah. and you do, you have to have, um, you have to have that support system. So I think that um, going into this with the background that I did, but then kind of following my gut and my intuition and almost setting myself up um to have a tribe when I didn't even know I needed one again, mm-hmm. total God thing. Yes. Um, but that I feel like so many. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could make a list for you of all the things that I have just felt God leading yeah. our family and more now than like ever in my entire life. And sure. it's a beautiful thing. Um, I feel like, I, cause I mean, I, I believe in God and I believe that God is behind a lot of things, but even if you don't, it's like, you can't deny like fate and destiny. You right. know what I mean? Like there's totally. so many things where it's like these pieces don't, it, it's, it's too much coincidence for them to just all fit together. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly how I feel. And even Justin has been like, wow, this is, I mean, even our move to Tennessee, um, where we are stationed, like set up beautifully for Kyson. Like it is just one thing after the next. Um, That's because amazing. we were in, in Nevada and we were only there short term because Justin got this um, job offer. And so we were only there for less than a year, honestly. And um, when he got this job offer, we were like, well, we just kind of moved, you know, it took a lot of, deci- you know, thinking and 
deliberating of whether or not we wanted to make a move across the country to somewhere mm-hmm. humid because we both grew up in deserts. <laughs> um, but we see now it was for Kyson, like yeah. it was all for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's and it comes in waves, right? Like I mm-hmm. feel great today and tomorrow can be totally different. And that's what oh, I yeah. have learned the most with this journey is that every day is literally a new day. Every minute is a new minute. And and you just have to roll with the waves and that some days it's easier than others. And um, I would say like, you know, our Friday was rough going. And Mm -hmm. um, but then when we get out of kind of that rough patch, it's beautiful on the other side. So that's what I try Mm -hmm. to hold on to. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, he's our baby. And I think that's how we all feel. It's our babies. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how hard it is. There are babies and we just, we go to bat for them. So, yeah, I feel like what you said, like kind of like every day is a new day and the way you feel might be different because that's something that I've had to learn too, is that, grief is not linear no you know it's it's all over the place and it yes. does waves and there'll be t- there's a lot of stuff that I've I've processed through and I'll think like okay you know nothing can get me down and then it's like something random will come up and I'm like oh boy here it comes yeah <laughs> you just like yep. feeling it kind of like how you were saying before like you you wanted things to be black and white but it's like everything with autism is gray area you know yes. and it's like you kind of have to just like accept that um, because that's, it's just, that's the way it is. That's just the way it goes. There's, exactly. there's no easy answers. And I would say with Kyson, because he is young, yeah. um, I think that as he gets older, I foresee and predict a much stronger grief period than we have been experiencing now, if that makes sense. Like, I, I think yeah. that as he grows and we start to see you know some differences between his peers and himself I think that um that's going to bring a whole new area stage to our journey so um and again you know like yeah it's just the wave that we're on at this moment in time so Mm -hmm. no I think that makes a lot of sense and that was something for me that I hadn't I hadn't thought about that because kind of like how you were saying, like that whole time leading up to getting the diagnosis, like I was just, I was so ready for it Yeah. that when we, the day he was diagnosed, I cried like the entire day, but then literally the next day I woke up and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? And I literally started making phone calls and getting together his therapy team. And I, at that point, I didn't really let myself grieve. And then months later when we were kind of in that rough patch we were still waiting to get get therapy started there was just this point where I I needed to grieve and I hadn't I hadn't really let myself do that I felt like I did because I had kind of grieved like leading up to it um and and I did I needed to go through those emotions again and and then and then it helped but then like I said there'll be something else that will come and it's like I need to kind of grieve and process those emotions again and I mean, I, like now I feel like I am in like a really good, like accepting positive place, but I'm pretty sure that's something else. Yes, exactly. Up. And that's yeah. what I have learned too, is <laughs> it's not over. This is a no. forever thing. Like yeah. your grief, mm-hmm. it is a continual process. Yeah. <laughs> so, but so is their, their progress. And yes. 
they like all their amazing capabilities is just like everything it continues it continues to come um Whitney I mean obviously I feel like we could just really talk all day (laughs) (laughs) this has been so much fun I love it (laughs) I know I I'm so it's so nice to actually like hear the whole story because like I said I've been following you for a while and I I knew the story but to hear kind of everything else is is just wonderful do you want to share where people can connect with you we've kind of talked about it yeah so I am on Instagram Facebook and then my website it's all called the spectrum compass so I'm kind of revamping my website right now um I'm basically giving parents a little um bits of our story as well as supplementing you know those educational pieces to try and help this journey not feel so consuming overwhelming stressful and just a place for you to give yourself some grace and um and I'll also share some I share a lot of resources on Instagram as far as, you know, toys and sensory ideas, um, how to, you know, promote language at home. And so all of that will also be included on my website. Yeah. So everyone definitely needs to go follow you. Like you were saying, like so many great resources and tools. And a lot of times it's even like things that you already have. And you're like, you can use this to do this. And I'm like, that's such a good idea. (laughs) Yes. You have so much at home. Use it. (laughs) Yes, totally. Yes. Utilize all of it. Everyone needs to go follow you, but thank you again so much, Whitney. This has been great. Thank you, Megan. We'll chat soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Whitney. I just think she is such a doll. She's so sweet and so sincere. And I, I like I said at the beginning, I loved hearing her perspective. Obviously, from someone who, you know, is really familiar with autism and ABA, but then to be on the other side of things and, you know, dealing with this with your own child, it's, it's gotta be just so different, but so valuable to, to hear her perspective and just everything she shared with like the first words project. It's so interesting when she had mentioned that 16 by 16, that like shocked me. That sounded like so many gestures. Um, but I actually went and I, I looked at that, that list that she was talking about and it was really interesting to see. And it made me think back to, you know, when Logan was a baby and I mean I'm sure he honestly I, I I know for sure he wasn't doing a lot of those things so that would have been really valuable information to have of course I compared my 
my one-year-old daughter <laughs> to the list immediately. Um, and thankfully she's, she's doing really well. She's hitting all, all those milestones. So that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, just such, such valuable information that, that Whitney shared. And I'm, I'm so happy to have connected with her. She is just such a such a wonderful person so again thank you so much for listening if you want to connect with me you can find me on facebook at adventures in autism podcast or on instagram at adventures in autism pod or you can email me at adventures in autism 2018 at yahoo.com again i love hearing from you guys so much (laughs) if you just want to say hi if you're enjoying the show or if you're interested in being a guest on the show please let me know. I'm always interested to hear from people who are listening and enjoying. It really makes my day. But that is all for now. So until next time, take care.